Good morning, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. How are you on this uh, Bedlam Friday? I'm a little upset. I had a game last night. There were two actually took place. Uh-huh. I got I got taken on one of them. Uh, the Duke quarterback looked like he was going to start. Line was 12 and a half right before game time within an hour. Now mm-hmm. he wasn't playing. Line drops to seven. Didn't have that game. Ooh. But I had South Alabama. I'm mean, uh, I thought with their starting quarterback, they had a good chance to win the game. And he was announced out about an hour before the game. Lat line went from four and a half up to seven and a half. Lost that game. Lee. Yeah. Ooh. They got to do something. But it gets. Here's Thank what you. I think is okay. going to happen. Go, so go ahead. Go ahead. So Florida, Florida, legal, legalized sports gambling starting next two to three weeks. Mm hmm. You know, the big three states, California and Texas, are probably a little year, two years off. But Florida's coming in two weeks. Eventually, gamblers are going to get upset. At least the NFL has, you've got to report injuries Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They're going to say to the NCAA, this is my prediction. You want our money? You want us to advertise on your shows at your stadiums? You've got to come up with some type of injury report because – the player wants a fair level playing field, and right now they're not getting it. Miami did it a couple weeks ago. I mean, the list goes on and on. We saw Marshall had 15, 20 players down that were sick that didn't play in a midweek game. You know, you're not getting a fair level playing field when that happens. Well, I mean, Lee, we we saw it play out in the Big 12 yeah. last night with Texas Tech. I mean, you. Yeah. And again, I understand that we are all overly uh, secretive in the college football world. But you just can't be, at least when it comes to injuries in a world that is so, I don't want to say dominated by the, the gambling aspect of it, but, but it's become very important. You know, it's funny, Lee, I talk about this with a lot of my friends. I, I remember a time, and you do too, whenever the gambling segment on a sports radio show was always kind of, uh, can you put that where no one's listening, or maybe we might want to put it on Saturday morning at 7 a.m., right? Uh, I, I was joking about that with Scotty Farrell a couple weeks ago. Now, Lee, it's it's... It's what's going on, and if if you're going to have the kind of money that's attached to it being spent in industries like college football and college basketball and NFL, they've got to do what they can do to make sure that everything looks on the up and up, and, and injury reports Absolutely. has definitely got to be one of them, right? I'll give you a quick story. This is what I did in the late 80s, early 90s. I had a friend at a newsstand, and <laughs> there was no Internet yet. I mm-hmm. used to have him go through the papers of all the major all the major cities or I would tell him which games I'm looking at and he would look for information articles on any type of injury of any key player in college football in the NFL. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That is wild. Lee went three and one yeah. last week in his game, so let's get after it with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. This is our buddy Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Lee, this line has moved down quite a bit. Yeah. Texas and Kansas State Big one is Kansas State found something with Avery Johnson, you bet, but a big test for Malik Murphy. What do you make with the horns right around three and a half, four right now? So what Texas did last week I thought was smart, and Steve Sarkisian can't say that all the time with him. I think he and his staff said, okay, BYU can't score more than 20 points on our defense. So let's keep it simple, and let's just do what we need to do and not take too many chances and win the game. And they did that. And Malik Murphy – solid he was like fine but he is limited in what they're showing and what they can do i believe with this offense they only had 16 first downs versus a weak byu team so 
And BYU's defense is slow and untalented. Kansas State has a top-20 defense. They excel against the run, allowing just a little over 100 rushing yards per game. Now, they haven't faced a Texas running game. I think they're going to put some extra guys in the box and blitz more. They're going to, I think, try to force Texas to push the ball down the field. Whereas the offense for Kansas State with Will Howard, he's one of these guys, middle of the year, he did not look great. But all of a sudden, he's one of these guys, he gets in rhythm. He is tough to break. They scored at least 38 points in four of the last five games. When they rotate him and Avery Johnson, who is going to be a monster at quarterback, they're going to be tough. They're a tough out, and I think their coaching staff's better than Texas. I'm calling for the upset here. Wrong team favored. Kansas State outright, 35-28. Oklahoma, first time this season looking to bounce back from a defeat. Mm-hmm. Getting, uh, well, favored by six in Bedlam over Oklahoma State. Cowboys getting six points. OU, Oklahoma State, it's Bedlam. What do you think? A lot of Ollie Gordon. I think that's, that's their the, what they're going to try to throw at, at Oklahoma. But I think Oklahoma, when they know what's happening and what's coming at them, they're pretty good. Pass rush was not great. Guys weren't staying in their line, lanes last week. Uh, pass defense, atrocious. They're going to have to improve on that. But I don't think Oklahoma State is, is great at that. And, you know, with uh, – the way they've dominated Oklahoma State and Bedlam, I just think they have a big talent edge, and I think they're going to come back strong here. I like Oklahoma here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it, even on the road here. Oklahoma, 32-20. to 20. Let's go to the NFL. Let's go to Germany. Kansas City and Miami. Uh, I- I'm excited about this one. I'm pumped to wake up on Sunday morning and see two of the best teams in the NFL go at it. What do you think, Lee? Yeah, and I like the fact that Miami left on Monday. Usually it takes about three, four days to fully get acclimated to the time change. Kansas City waited until Thursday. And last week's game, Miami, for two series, they were without all five of their starting offensive linemen. It looks like they'll have three and maybe four back for this weekend's game, which is real important. And all of a sudden, for the first time all year, the defense is back. Uh, Jalen Ramsey came back last week, so did Nick Needham. This week they'll get back Xavier Howard and Holland. Uh, their best two guys had that had been playing all year banged up. Uh, and I just think that they're finally starting to understand that Bangio defense here. I like Miami. They finally get that signature win. There's something wrong with this Kansas City offense. Miami, 34-30. To Lincoln Financial Field, another uh, big-time, well, this one, a divisional matchup, but uh, another big-time divisional matchup across the NFL. Not like KC-Miami, but uh, big uh, divisional square down here. Philadelphia versus Dallas. The Eagles favored by three. Eagles-Cowboys. Can Dak Prescott crack that Philadelphia code? You know, I think he finally can. He needs some help. His offensive line looks like Tyron Smith will be back, the eight-time Pro Bowl left tackle. Without him, it would be tough. Uh, I mean, Jalen Carter is a load. you got to move the pocket some. You are going to have to throw in intermediate passes. You can't just go for the home run. And they throw to their backside of the backfield. Their tight ends are starting to come on here. And special teams. Don't discount special teams. Brandon Aubrey. A NFL record tying by opening up his career 18 for 18 on field goals. So Jalen Hurts is great, but he's not 100% with that sore knee, not running as much here. Dallas has won and covered four of the last five in this series here. That time's right here. 
How about them Cowboys? Dallas, 30-23. <laughs> Lee, how do we get you? Did I sound like Jimmy a little bit? You got, you got a little Jimmy Johnson in you. Hey, uh, what's your game of the week? How can people get it? Game of the week uh, this week is going to be this is a good one here. We're going to go with Alabama and LSU. Not a good one, a great one. I have a real strong opinion. It's a client play, too. You want to get it for free. Be one of the first five callers. Call 800-400-9741. First five callers get Alabama LSU on me. 800-400-9741. And last week we had that 7 for 17 special. I added an extra play. We went 7-1. and one. I'm running it back. Seven selections in all four sports tonight. You want to get it just one place. $17. ParamountSports.com. You're the man. Thanks, Lee. That's Lee Sterling. Okay. See you, Chris. ParamountSports.com. See you, bud. Do you, do you think we're inevitably getting there, Josh, with the – we're inevitably getting there with the injury reports in college football. It's taken one step in that direction with uh, the Big Ten doing their availability reports. Now, it's uh, a long ways off from what uh, Lee is talking about, which is multiple throughout the week, right? I mean, you get what? Right. How many updates do you get across the week in the NFL? You get three? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, so – and, right and, now, and, and when you play on Thursday, when you play on Thursday, I think the Monday is like an estimated, right? Because they'll say, here's a walkthrough, here's our estimated injury report. Gotcha. Yeah, and, I, and I'd love to see that in college football. If, uh, you know, not even just from a handicapping and gambling standpoint, but just from mm-hmm. a clarity standpoint for you and I and for fans across the sport, there's so much up in the air within the within the game of college football right now but certainly you know right now it's it's just two hours before kickoff in big 10 games that they have to turn those availability reports in so that is a step in the right direction but it's still a far cry from what we're talking about in the nfl all right but uh we got details on the jaleel farouk story so i'm just kind of scrolling through what was sent but it looks it, it looks like this it looks like this has a little bit of time on it. In other words, there had been an issue back in October, October twenty fifth. So maybe and, and by the way, thanks, Spencer. Appreciate you you digging this up. Maybe it just came to light now. Is, is what I'm thinking of, or I don't know. I don't know if there was – it doesn't, at, at least on this, in the OSCN filing, which, by the way, I'm going to be – and I joked about this, but it's true. I spend way too much time on OSCN. I don't know why. There's a, there's a friend of mine, and I and I miss him. And I, I, there's also a, fe- a girl, that I, a friend of mine that's a, a female that I used to talk to a lot. Uh, and just good friends, and all of a sudden dropped off the face of the planet. And uh, so every so often I'm checking, I'm like, geez, I wonder if they got arrested. <laughs> so that's uh, me. But this looks to be, there is a hearing on Monday. But at least from anything that, it, it doesn't appear to be anything recent, Josh. It just looks as if maybe it started to, to make the rounds. Maybe someone found it. But it doesn't, at least in what I'm looking at here, it doesn't appear as if there was any issues last night. 
that they, this goes back to like October 25th. And this seems to be something small claims where maybe he went into an apartment that he wasn't supposed to. There's not like a protective order or anything here. Forcible not not defending it. Right, right, right. Not, 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 not defending anything here, but that's at least what this looks like from what uh, many of the ref army was able to find on OSCN. I'll shoot it to you so you can look at it as well, too. I'm looking at it right as we speak. Oh, you okay, never mind. Never mind. All right, cool. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate you uh, finding that. But I just, to me, this doesn't look like any, and again, I'm not a, I am by no means, I am by no means a, a lawyer. But since there's so much out there about this and there's so much talk and intraweb chatters about it, just that's, that's what appears to be the case here, that this is something maybe that a couple weeks ago – wait, hold on. What is today's date? <laughs> Today is the – The third. Third. Oh, so It was, it was so like filed maybe, on October 25th. Right, right. So right, literally a couple weeks last week. So I don't, I don't see anything from last night is kind of my point. And I don't see anything that probably hadn't already been handled internally, but I'll leave that to the – Parker Thunes and the Eric Bailey's and the uh, Ryan Abers of the world to dig up. But I hope that at least for now answers some of the questions that are out there. And you play uh, versus Kansas. Right. Probably going to play in Bethlehem. Right. It, it appears as if this is, this is not something to where an issue took place last night. Now, again, like I said, like I said, I do not know. But no, 5808, there is not a chimp or a stripper pole involved in this. <laughs> All right, quick break. Thanks to Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Uh, and again, just to, to kind of reset, there had been, uh, it was an Instagram feed that posted this last night that um, that Jalil Farouk had had a run-in with the law. And you can at what what did I say the Instagram feed was at Boomer underscore Sooner underscore Daily, and so from my perspective, and this is not a knock, but usually when you have more than one underscore, you lose a little credibility with me. Probably unfair on my part, Josh. Probably unfair, but you add two underscores, tough for me to take you as legit. One, I'm in two but they had posted a picture and only had a handful of likes and then as any story goes it starts making the rounds it starts spreading like wildfire oh jalil was arrested what's going on here i don't even feel comfortable saying it to be honest with you because at least in what we've seen that doesn't involve anything from last night so if this was an incident from a couple weeks ago that involved what appears to be something with a landlord, and there's no emergency filing or anything of that nature that has been thrown out on this, Josh, then to me it seems like it's a, a civil matter that's, that's been handled. Now, X-Factors, when we come back. <laughs> Sooner or least, I think you're on to it. X-Factors, when we come back, it's the Plank Show. And plus, I want to hear a little bit from Mike Gundy, too, right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. We are the ref with Josh on Plank. Riverwind Casino. And the text line is driving this show, which it kind of has all week this week. I mentioned I wanted to get to some Mike Gundy. We'll 
we'll hold off. I, I don't think everyone's waited with bait, waiting with bated breath to hear from Mike Gundy, but I just I can't. I w- I have thoroughly enjoyed Mike Gundy's press conferences, and I got to be honest with you, Josh. As much as it pains us to say, what Oklahoma State has done since the Iowa State game, it's one of the best turnarounds in college football right now. The development of Ollie Gordon is what a lot of people in Crimson and Cream would have loved and would still love to see from their running backs. They're playing aggressively on defense now. They they can burn. This is the best quarterback they're going to face. Maybe the best offense they're going to face. Kansas was pretty good too, but Dylan in good weather, much more efficient than he is obviously in what we dealt with last week. But there is, there is one fact, and that is when you look across college football right now, from where that team was to where they are now, bro, I, I thought we might be walking into a place after that South Alabama game that would have been mostly crimson based on the way that the Oklahoma State fan base was after that, right? Yeah, it, I mean, it felt like things were really headed for a long season for Oklahoma State, and give Mike Gundy credit. He's been able to, and though uh, others say probably should have known about Mr. Gordon uh, a little bit sooner, hey, whatever. They, they found it. They got the quarterback right in Bowman, and they've uh, started playing good football since. We've seen a couple of nice turnarounds in the, the Big 12 with Oklahoma State and Iowa State. I mean, each of these two right. seasons early with the Ohio game was just a total mess. The South Alabama game was just a total disaster class. And yet, now all of a sudden, both are two of the best teams in this conference. But I also, in hearing all that, well, I mean, I brought it up so I, you know, I, I feel fairly strongly about it. And you're right, Josh. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, heck, I guess you can maybe even throw, what, in the Big Ten, Nebraska. Is that a nice bounce back? Now, how much of that is Nebraska and just the fact that the Big Ten minus Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State might be terrible. No offense to your Hawkeyes, Josh, but is that an unfair statement? Uh, yeah, the the Big Ten West, <laughs> especially. <laughs> it's bad. It's really bad. But in this week of frustration and disdain, I Googled up those two words. Let's not lose sight that one of the greatest turnarounds in college football this year resides inside the Switzer Center. One of the greatest turnarounds in college football plays at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. So you can you can get mad with where Oklahoma State is and how Oklahoma hasn't played as well its last two weeks, and that's fine. Oklahoma State's a great turnaround story. But I go back to what my man Steve Bullard tweeted in his Sunday recap. Love you, Steve. He's like, we got to remember sometimes, this is a team that came off 6-7. and seven. And you can think, oh, the schedule shapes up and it's so easy, and you're not wrong, but this got infinitely tougher when Jason Bean settled in, or didn't decide to transfer, I guess, would be one. This got infinitely tougher when Ollie Gordon emerged. This got infinitely tougher when West Virginia suddenly didn't suck. I had to stretch run for the Sooners as cake as it looks, suddenly becomes a lot more challenging. So I don't – I don't much you, Josh. I'm trying to keep that perspective going into this weekend because 
for a seven and one football team. I don't know if I've. And I love it too, but I don't know if I've seen this much frustration. <laughs> hey, how different would the feeling be? Just hypothetical, hypothetical situation, Josh. How different would the feeling be if they get that first down and they milk out the clock and they leave in there instead of what? What are they? Instead of being six and or seven and one, they're eight and zero. I mean, it's still, it's not like they would played all that well the last few weeks. But, guys, go look at Washington right now. Washington's the number five team in the playoff rankings. And they nearly lost their last two weeks to Arizona State and probably should have lost Arizona State and probably should have lost to Stanford. Stanford was about to convert a fourth down to a tight end that was wide open, and he dropped the freaking football. He could have run, he could still be running. Could have hit his hat on the goalposts. So, I mean, again, I'm not ready to just sit here and tap out, I guess is my point. And I'm not going to be, oh, now, now they're playing like a 6-7 and seven team. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Nor should you be. I, why would you feel that way? I mean, we've seen this Oklahoma team play some really good football. And let's hope we get that version of OU tomorrow in Bedlam. Maybe they just need the head screwed back on straight a little bit. And now, again – Oklahoma's played with fire a little bit over the course of this season. I've pointed this out to you. There were signs maybe that this was waiting earlier in the year. Though, again, there's been legitimate improvement for Oklahoma defensively. They kind of played with the food a little bit versus SMU versus Cincinnati. And and so now they got burnt. Is that the little wake-up call that Oklahoma needed to get back to playing like they did versus Texas, playing the way that they did versus Iowa State, playing like they did the first quarter, save for some offense and uh, special teams miscues. But defensively, the first quarter versus UCF, it's in there, but Oklahoma's got to go find it and, and deliver it and perform that way. Agreed. All right, uh, to the text line, 405-651-343. Man, Sean has been really, really good uh, this week. I think he's had great perspective, as always. Um and, and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not trying to be somebody that is overly freaked out by this two-week stretch for Oklahoma. But Sean writes, the Big 12 is equally as terrible as the Big 10. The Big 12 is the AAC outside of OU and UT. The turnarounds are because OSU and Iowa State and Kansas State entered Big 12 play. <laughs> Uh, think about who we're talking about. Oh, well, I, I would say, <laughs> I would say the Kansas State win is the one that I look at and think that's a really good win for Oklahoma State. I would even say going to beat West Virginia, but Josh, I went back yesterday and on the advice of a friend, rewatched the fourth quarter of uh, Oklahoma State West Virginia. Dude, West Virginia tapped out. What does Teddy like to say? They turned that S down. And so it was kind of impressive that West Virginia then went on the road and won the next week and beat UCF. But um, Oklahoma, you know, took advantage of a team that just seemed to tap out. So I'm not trying to minimize what they've done. But, again, it is, you know, they, they didn't enter Big 12 play and suddenly, you know, they kind of start getting things right. Does that take away from it in your mind? I'm trying to I'm trying to 
compare and contrast the the Big Ten West versus Big Twelve teams. And I I gotta say, I think a lot of these teams we're talking about are to me definitively better than than those teams over there. Like Kansas, I don't want to get totally caught up in what we saw a week ago and living in the moment because they beat Oklahoma, but that is a very good offensive football team. Now they've got right. some legitimate cracks defensively and I still think Oklahoma should have won the game. But uh KU's a nice win for Oklahoma State. <laughs> KU's a nice win for Oklahoma State. Iowa State is a totally different team than the team that played uh, the Hawkeyes, what, in, in week two. They didn't have their yep. top offensive weapon. Rocco Beck has figured some things out offensively. So Iowa State is, to me, I mean, there's no doubt that they are vastly improved from the team that played Ohio and Iowa and everybody at the beginning of the year. All right, when we come back uh, – there is a little bit more news on the Jalil Farouk rumors. And uh, thanks to, to Spence and others who have sent in what we found on OSCN, uh, there was – well, I don't think we should tease it, Josh. I just think we should read it and give credit where credit is due. Uh, thank you, Sooner Andy. And I, Andy, and I don't – George, Kerry, Eddie, I mean, I'm, I'm pulling this off your site, so if it's uh, – through a texter. If it makes you mad, I apologize, but I'll give total credit to Soonerscoop.com for at least their reporting on this. Uh, George Stoya said he did some digging. Farouk was detained. It was very minor. He had four outstanding municipal warrants for traffic violations. Driving over a curb, failure to appear, failure to yield to an emergency vehicle, and an improper right turn. George theorized, obviously, very minor violations and something we don't believe will have an effect on his status for the game. Just wanted to get it out there. So there you go. So that's what that's even separate from what Spencer and others had sent us in Sooner Lease on OSCN, right? Yeah. What do you think? I mean, will this rise to the level of, okay, we've had enough, we're, we're suspending? Well, uh, where's we have Sooner Lease uh, – had become our legal insider, Sooner Lisa from BA, uh, said the initial report that was out there was a small claims, not a criminal issue. So that's good. Um, <laughs> by the way, I just saw this from Brooke. She says, OSCN is saved as one of my favorite favorite web pages. Yep, I'm on there quite a bit. Um, but, yeah, so that was George's reporting over at Sooner Scoop. To me, it sounds as if these were issues – that had been in the past, but I told you this during the break, these types of, I, I've used issues like five times, give me a better word, Josh, violations, these type of incidents, mm-hmm. these seem to me to be the kind of things that would really, really piss off preventables. Like, uh, we might say, oh, dude, it's something small. It's, it's not really that it's not that big of a deal. It's just an illegal right turn. It's just blah, blah, blah. It's this. Not handling your business. Right. P- pay your tickets. What's the what's the phrase we hear a lot? How you do anything is how you do everything. So to me, I look at that and I think, oof. Seeing that list of stuff, I don't think, wow, throw them under the jail, right? No. But I do think, I do think that combined with the... Uh, the rent issue would be things that Brent Venables would look at and just seethe. 
Now, the yeah. mind's on football, but, but again, Josh, I just thought we'd go ahead and get it out there. A, a pattern of irresponsibility for Jalil Farouk, and that's not going to sit well, I wouldn't imagine, with, with Brent Venables and the rest of the coaching staff. Is it something that's going to keep him out of this game? No, I don't think so. But uh, I'd imagine they're not, not pleased at all, as uh, you pointed out, because, again, the information we have, it sounds like these are all items that – just being responsible, he could have uh, taken care of it and has not. Right. Okay, listen. Listen, Royal Ref Army listeners, proud members of the Plank Platoon, you can stop texting in with your is he transferring to Georgia jokes, okay? Stop it. Because I've got to keep it together on this serious story, and y'all are cracking me up. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's uh, let's hear from Mike Gundy next, right here on the Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show, right here on the Ref. All right, uh, real quick before we hit Gunny, before we hear. More of your texts at 405-651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I was going through some of my clips I had for Coach Gundy, mm-hmm. and this was one that I thought was interesting that didn't really – I guess it, either I missed it making the rounds or it just didn't make a lot of rounds. You know, I, I'm so happy Kale's voice is being heard. I'm glad that he is – I wish he was on our show with us. I like Kale Gundy a lot. And I miss him. Uh, and I found this to be a very interesting question and a very interesting answer from Mike Gundy when he was asked, hey, you know, you, Kale's not over at OU. You used to always joke that you would uh, talk about it around the uh, Thanksgiving table. How's that been this week? Um, he, he and I don't really talk about Bedlam, but he and I have talked a lot of football now. So he is a, a very intelligent, very experienced, very knowledgeable coach. And so for me to not use him as a resource of information would mean I'm not a very smart person. And I know a lot of people think that at times, but I'm not so dumb to not use his knowledge and information about the game and what he sees and what we do and upcoming opponents. But he and I do not speak specifically about Bedlam. Okay. So they talk more football, but Kale's not opening up the Book of Secrets. Good. I guess is one way. That's that's right. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the phones. Gunny, Gunny, welcome to the Plank Show. What's going on, Gunny? Guten Tag, gentlemen. Good morning. Is it morning still? Oh, it is morning. Good morning. Good morning, Gunny. Well, I just woke up, so it's morning to me anyway. Well, but you got to remember, though, too, you're you're in a different world than most of us, Gunny. You, you do real man's work. You're, like, working all night long. So that is understandable when you would wake up at 1045 because you probably didn't go to bed till 445. No, I didn't even get home till 515 this morning. I was close. So. See? Look. <laughs> I see. I feel it. So what's on your mind today, man? I'm going to throw out a prediction for Nick Anderson. Okay. I think he's going to get half of my favorite number, so 210 yards with four touchdowns. All right, 210, uh, four TDs. So an average day. An average day. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're going to see that score from far mentality instead of uh, Jet Levy's offense. 
Look what you've started, Steely. Look what you've started, Steel Man. All right, Gunny, enjoy the game, buddy. It's great to hear your voice. Hey, have a good weekend. I think I might need to call Gunny after the game. I might need to hang out with Gunny if things go poorly, Josh. Yeah. Uh, half of his favorite number. <laughs> might need to might need if things yards. go well. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because – if I was, I'm putting Brendan Thompson in my spotlight this weekend. But in what your boy has learned about Oklahoma State, it's very similar to Kansas. They are going to dare you to throw the ball deep. Now, they have a little bit more help, but they're going to dare you to throw the ball deep. And if it's it's not as if, I think, I think Ted said this, you know, everyone's like, oh, but the protection. Well, you don't have to protect for like 10 seconds. <laughs> you know, you just need enough time to let Dylan throw a balloon and have Brennan Thompson run under it. But I would also add, Josh, Emmett Jones and the way that he's coached these wide receivers, what does he say? He wants football players that are receivers. Football players that are receivers. He wants to be physical. I would say that maybe was an area that they struggled a bit in last week. But the the Nick Andersons, the Drake Stoops, the Jacquez Petaway, if he gets in, um, the Gibsons of the world, they got to get off the line, man. They got to be physical. And the Jill of Farouks, too. You know, pending everything is going to be on the up and up with him being able to play. So, I mean, that's Gunny. It, it's funny because I know that, you know, there is – a little bit of fun in your projection. But, Josh, if these guys are able to get off the jam, they're going to have some opportunities for some big plays. And remember, last year against Kansas, earlier this year against Iowa State, we saw that. You know, that was this against Tulsa earlier this year. It's like, hey, we're throwing it deep. Stop us. Stop us. And they weren't able to. Teams weren't able to. So I... Yes, I know you're going to see some jet sweeps this week, and yes, I know you're going to see some of the running game nuances that you don't like. But, Josh, I think if Oklahoma wins this game, they're throwing the deep ball a lot. Definitely see the scenario where Nick Anderson has a, a big-time game. and Sure. And others uh, along that receiving core. You know, we'll obviously – we'll see about Farouk. I would, would imagine that he's still going to be a factor in this game, but I – you know, we've been tossing around the name this morning, Brennan Thompson, breakout-type yep. candidate. I think, you know, given what happened on the final drive, I could see that. Jaden Gibson I could see being a little bit more involved this week. And Oklahoma State struggles defending the pass, right? So you have to take chances in the throw game versus Oklahoma State. You have to. Cody, Cody, y'all y'all are on your game Jesse G. today. <laughs> Jesse G, what are, I mean, gosh. So, so you're telling me that Farouk fumbled the rent check? What, are, Jesse G? What are we doing today? We're trying to do a show that is previewing Bedlam and talking X factors, trying to be smart about X's and O's, and you're dropping that on me? Oh, um, the five eight zero question, and correct me if I'm wrong. Last year we had a glaring issue 
with zero holding calls against us, which blows my mind. Question is, are we still having the same issues this season? I don't recall any holding calls being called against us. Also remember last year with the Big 12 officials, Texas got absolutely hosed too on penalties. Um, I don't know if it's been as omnipresent as it was at times last year, but it's just in the moments. Like 11 penalties last week, right? I don't know about you, Josh. It seemed as if nine of those 11 penalties were absolutely gut punches, right? It's like, oh, no. So, yeah, there was a holding call. Someone held Farouk last week. So they've had a couple of them, but, you know, it's, it just sounds excusinator, man. It just it just sounds excusinator. And I, I'm not saying that you're doing that, sir or ma'am, but at least I, I'm trying to keep that excuse out of my mind because if I think about it too much, it really makes me angry. I don't know why it triggers me so much, but it does. All right, quick break. I uh, got a little bit more Gundy on Dylan Gabriel next right here on The Ref. See you, man. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh on Plank. I had a, uh, I had, I had the, it's the first time that I've ever had anyone come by here and they're like, what are you doing? Not that works here, just like someone that was walking by. I'm like, I'm doing a, I'm doing a sports radio show. We have like two banners here at Riverwind that say "Welcome, Riverwind welcomes Carry Up." And he looks at me, and goes, "You're on the radio right now." I'm like, "Well, I'm in a break." He goes, "Can I talk?" I'm like, "Well, sure. What's up?" He goes, "What are you talking about?" Bedlam. He looks at me, and goes, "Justin Blackman." I was like, ah, "Okay, yeah." He played for Oklahoma Throwback. State. He goes, "He goes, you're talking Bedlam." Justin Blackman. I almost felt like saying, thanks you for your call. You should have put him on the air. <laughs> I think that's, I should have. He was easy, actually really good. Easily as entertaining really as anything that's happened with us this morning. <laughs> Justin Blackman. Like, yeah, good football player. Show's done. See you later. Uh, Mike Gundy was asked about Dylan Gabriel. Here's what the yeah you know he's um, um, same thing right they he lives in their world they they love to to get the ball out here play action pass effectively along deep over routes and stuff and then he runs better than you think he does so um, is he going to take off like the guy at Kansas State or Kansas and just blindingly take off for 80 yards haven't seen that but he's an effective runner loves to run the ball down inside the 10 yard line likes to play physical you have to give the guy credit for his willingness to compete and play at a high level and give his body up, which is what I see him doing at this point. And how about that Oak? Well, we don't have to. We only got like one minute left. But we'll hear about the Oklahoma State defense in the top five stories of the day. But he's right. He's, if there is one thing we've seen from Dylan Gabriel, as it, even his, his most adamant and fiery haters, dude's not afraid to take a shot. And that's bad. <laughs> I want to see him getting down. But when it comes to, all right, I'm going to get an extra yard here. He's not afraid to lower the shoulder. Wisely, when he gets down, I think he does it the right way. So he runs the football. He's not like Avery Johnson, right? He's not like Jason Bean. But when when called upon, when needed to be, he's been one of the most effective runners for this team. Top five stories of the day next on The Ref.